0: Hello everyone, my name is Lawrence Gowan of the Rock Band Sticks, and you are listening and watching the Brutally Delicious Podcast.
1: Good to see you again.
0: You too. Okay.
1: It's been a long time.
0: So we got Bruce and we got Chris.
1: Yeah. It's been a long time. You doing okay? Okay
0: fantastic how about yourself
1: i can't complain at all you guys are on the road where are you at today
0: all right, we are in boston hang on i'll show you boston
2: <laughs> boston yes, boston
0: nice
2: <laughs> boston <laughs> nice
0: how right across the- from the uh boston common which is one of my favorite spots
1: oh nice how the boston show's been common. going
0: most successful summer tour we've ever had really? like unbelievable way way over way over the top yeah yeah our manager keeps calling us going i can't believe this is going the way it's going and yet we kind of can believe it at the same time because i think people have just been so hungry to get back to yeah. seeing shows and they're they're we've got a great package this year with uh, with Loverboy boy and hario Speedwagon and sticks and each band is kind of at top form you know so it's it's really you know it's kind of exploded is in in the best possible sense of that word
1: that's awesome
0: who did you say who did you say
2: you're out with again lover boy oh my friend jay is working with those guys who is jay dick dickman yeah
0: Yeah. so um you know they're our special guest and then of course we have Mario speedwagon and and sticks with us and uh you get over four hours of like classic rock where people know every little note and every nuance of it and it's amazing to hear just how worn out the audiences are by that by the time the last note gets there every night (laughs) 7 p.m from 7 p.m to 11 p.m they're just like they 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 can barely sit down
2: that's awesome dude i I was actually almost late for this interview because i was doing research for the for the interview and i came across sticks live in tampa in february 2nd and it was the whole set and i was just like i was just like holy shit!" it's like an well, hour and a half long yeah and you guys were just killing it for That's an hour and a half.
0: well i'm glad you found that and i'll, it's, I'll, you, I'll go looking for that now too <laughs> yeah you just
2: have to google uh sticks live 2022 it's the first thing That's that actually, comes up yeah good but <laughs> but um, the thing that struck me when I was watching the video is your drummer is absolutely yes. hammering the shit out of those drums like he he doesn't hold back and the other thing is that the entire band sings yeah
0: yeah everyone including Todd drummer yeah. yeah like it I that's not something you really see you anymore don't, you don't quite honestly it makes me feel bad for bands that only have one singer it's great when you get various uh, characters and various personalities appearing in the songs you know it, it, what struck me um was watching the beatles get back um a few months you know a few months ago was that um they had the luxury of having four great and very individual lead, voice. had a distinct character they brought to it. And then the blend of them singing together was, well, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could say it was, it was classic. It was perfect baby. is what it was. And um, <laughs> yeah. the perfection. And I do feel, I, I, I did feel the, the same kind of thing, with the luck of having a band like Sticks with JY and with Tommy Shaw and with uh myself adding lead vocals there and then the blend of all of us is very um you know it's it 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 has a lot of nuance of of various characters that show up on any given night and i'm glad you noticed that first first,
2: i was was like you know (laughs) because like i don't know about your age but i know some of the guys in sticks are like in their late 60s for sure and i don't know about the drummer's age but like He's got a double kick set up and he's just hammering the crap yeah. out of the drums todd
0: todd has got incredible uh everything you know incredible dexterity fortitude the stamina you know all of that and but on top of everything else is just an unbelievable gig. uh he's one of those drummers is actually a musician <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> there are a few on he definitely he definitely yeah. qualifies <laughs> uh, he's, he's more of a musicologist I think than any of us in the band and he can pinpoint uh discrepancies in in uh, if there's anything to do with pitch or anything at all to do with how we're approaching a piece he has he has more to more insights um you know than, than just you know, I'm here to thing here that to really the struck
2: stuck out to me is not only how much fun the audience is having, but you as a, your sticks seems to be having like the best time they've ever had in their entire life. I, and that, that blows me away because a lot of touring acts get, yeah. and, you know, but you're up there and it seems like it's like the best thing that's ever happened.
0: Well, I can tell you, I was entertained as the audience, Audience is when I when I look across the stage, I can see, you know, it's a band of of uh, uh, very um, uh, extroverted performers. Let's put it that way. That that are all very engaged within the band and and with the audience in a really seamless way. So the the whole thing becomes a very um, factor to it with the human connections that are going on thousands at a time are firing up all kinds of uh and i guess we'd call them endorphins or whatever it is that we're all kind of in a euphoric state up there yeah and the audience and it's 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 a very infectious um thing. there's thousands of people gigantic smiles on their faces and their arms in the air and uh you know that's that's the greatest way to do it to end a yeah. day a show so anything in your pardon
2: life. me for saying this i'm canadian and um i knew about you long before i knew about sticks.
0: i don't have to pardon
2: you for saying you're canadian well <laughs> hey you know i mean it's a very canadian thing to say excuse me i'm sorry i'm canadian I'm sorry. So i have to say this sorry yes yeah. sorry but um i knew about you long before yeah. i knew about sticks And you're an amazing singer. What's it like sharing the stage after being like as successful as you were in Canada as a songwriter and a singer, what's it like going from that to sharing the stage with multiple people that take lead vocals?
0: That is a a deep question because it, 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 it's funny as as a solo artist, I always preferred and, and I have, you know, many favorite solo artists. I preferred the band dynamic because band, from everything we just discussed, there's the the um, the unpredictability of what happens when when various characters get together and, and make music is is part of the character of this entity that becomes a band. You know, it's that it is even beyond the sum of its parts. It has a whole spirit to it that has to that has to survive, etc. So that sounds. I, I welcomed the opportunity of, of kind of working with others and I began to kind of learn that funny enough starting from about 1990 when um, I started co-writing with people you know uh, it, even on my solo records and I liked the uh, bringing in fresh kind of unusual ideas and bouncing them off each other and when I joined Sticks, I found well this is an environment where this happens all the time. It doesn't mean there aren't multiple frustrations that could come along with that because we're human and we, you know, we all, we, we think we're going one in one direction and then the next thing you know, we're heading in another and we have to deal with uh, with unpredictable elements that come in, but eventually they lead you. If you trust the people that you're with and if they have trust in you, they're going to lead you to something that's really beyond what anyone as an individual could could, could bring up, you know, could, so a prime example, I guess I'm going to have to bring this up is that, you know, that the title track of the new record crash of the crown, it features three lead singers. It starts with J Y, then it goes to Tommy, then Tommy and myself. And then I take over on the end. And just the arc of that song runs through such a gamut of, of of characters, personalities, and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, camera angles, so to speak that, um, it's it's exciting it's more exciting than just holding the whole thing yourself
2: it was very cool see i like i always just wondered about that yeah. because you were a larger than life star in, in the canadian music scene so it's like how do you go from that to being in a band and it seems like it was just kind of a natural evolution
0: uh, like honest to be honest I, I i really enjoy both and the other night when we played in toronto uh you know the only canadian show on this tour um, you know we played a criminal mind and oh. so I so I got to do both you know what I mean yeah, I, yeah. that's that's my 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 own persona you know uh, my own you know, musical characters there but again it's shared by a band that have a different take on it and uh and so I get I I'm in a very very fortunate place because yes yeah. it's I'm almost like a reverse Phil Collins in a way where <laughs> you know he had the band, Became the lead singer of the band and then had a solo career. I, I Mine is the exact opposite of that. It was like, the, the, I had a band. Yep. It didn't go anywhere. Uh, well, it, it didn't make records. Uh, a solo artist, worked on everything myself, then started working with other people more and more, even on the writing part of it. And then joined a band and now find myself kind of, I've lived long enough to balance between the two.
2: I like how you say reverse Phil Collins because he great. lived in Vancouver for a uh, while you exactly. lived in Toronto you know it's like
0: <laughs> it's the opposite <laughs> we're actually maybe we're parallel universe people yeah. i uh, I saw uh uh genesis it was the f- uh first show back after the uh after the thing that happened in 2020 there's this thing anyway uh, yeah. <laughs> just fantastic you know when I, when I saw him on stage oh I saw genesis first of all they were playing as good, maybe better than I've ever seen them, and the way he, the the heartbreaking thing, of course, of noticing that he can't he can't get on the drum kit, right. but the the poetic weight of his son sitting behind him nailing the parts, just ph- phenomenal. And, and Nick Collins played, and Phil himself having these great great lyrics and and his his storytelling capabilities all within a band, you know. And still being able to con- convey that and to project that was, it was very weird. I was reluctant to go to the show because I knew he wouldn't be playing the drums. I left thinking that might have been the best Genesis show I ever saw. I, oh, wow. So it's pretty pretty incredible, yeah.
2: Yeah, well, Genesis was a little before my time, but I watched a VH1 by, like behind the music where they go and they look at the yeah. record, you yeah. know, how it was made yeah. and stuff and, and the history of the band. And I was just like an instant, like, convert i I just couldn't believe how good they were
0: that's that's it you can't believe that they're the closest thing i think in a lot of ways to to a Beatles story where you've got can you imagine if take for example you know they had that 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 cataclysmic thing that happened when peter gabriel left the band right right yeah and i remember even at the time thinking well i'm just gonna follow peter gabriel's career which of course i did he actually wound up becoming my favorite solo artist. But then the idea that the drummer, whose name I barely knew at that point, I knew, oh, yeah, he, he I think he sang one song on, I think, Selling in England by the Pound. And I know I a great drummer, but I didn't know he had, had that kind of capacity. And each player is the, the idea that they all met, they, just the idea that those, those people, all four of them, all met at school. And then the next guy that comes in is Phil Collins. is uh, It's a pretty phenomenal story. It's funny, Todd and I, t- you talk about our drummer. We try to think of the equivalent of that in other bands. And we like to say, you know, imagine if at the height of U2's career, if Bono left the band and Larry Mullen became the lead singer. That, that's as shocking. And, and the band ended up being more successful, not less. Yeah. that would be that would be the only equivalent we can think of really that, that would equal that uh, well, phenomenal occurrence
2: that was the thing about it that documentary too is that they were like when they when they decided to make phil the singer the label was like yeah you guys are done like we don't want
1: no like no
0: yeah. <laughs> labels they always know
1: yeah right I was lucky enough to see Genesis at Madison Square Garden on the Abacab tour. I don't know. Oh, you're lucky, man. 83 ish or
0: something? Yep. I saw that in Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that
0: was back in uh, Maple Leaf
1: Gardens. Yeah, right at the height. Absolutely.
0: 83 is probably
1: the pinnacle. Yeah. What
2: is a. uh, Man, Maple Leaf Gardens, you're making me feel nostalgic here.
0: It's okay. (laughs) You're just a kid. We're trying to tell you about all the great things. That happened before. <laughs> what, does, uh, what does the
1: what does the sticks audience look like now? I imagine you've got multi generations, right? Because you got people like me bringing their kids to a great summer show.
0: When we come off stage, just about every night now, and this this started in, I believe it or not, about twelve years ago, but it's become more and more ingrained. The audience is skewing younger, not older, and. We looked out at the audience just the other night. We played well, the last two nights we played in uh we're in Boston tonight, last night uh, in Saratoga Springs the night before that was Toronto. And we look out at the audience, we see it's the age range goes from about ten years old <laughs> to people in their seventies. And they all seem to be just as enamored with it and uh have personalized the songs. The ones on any given night, half the audience is under forty. So they weren't even born when the biggest classic rock records were made, and yet they have embraced these songs uh, to the same degree as if they're concurrent with their lives. And sorry to go back one step. Same thing happened at the Genesis show when I was there. Same thing happened at the last show I saw before the before the break um, was Elton John, and behind me was a row of young people who weren't even 20 singing every word to uh to those songs so we see that from the stage at stick shows i played some gallon shows actually since of course you're canadian you'll understand that i played a few on a break that we had at the end of june and it was the same thing during those shows i look out and i see people that were not even born when strange animal or great dirty world or those albums came out in the 80s and yet they have embraced them and they're part of their lives so that, that's been the i think the greatest surprise that's come along in, in my life is to in musical life is to see that yeah I
2: the, the iconic music journalist alan cross just put out an article about this very phenomenon hey. and, yeah and it, and and I, I can't remember the title does new music suck or something like that <laughs> and he analyzed streaming platforms yeah and the songs that perform the best are all done by older bands like all the classics are the biggest provider of music revenue
0: yeah yeah
2: and the new music doesn't get nearly as much
0: for example uh, well i don't know why that is but but i have a few theories but they may not be all that relevant um the new movie nope nop that uh jordan peele's new film and i went to number one box office uh i went to see it because one of the main songs, in the song that he used to, for the trailer, was "Strange, Strange Animal."
1: Oh wow! <laughs> and in the awesome. middle of the
0: movie, the Corey Hart song comes on, and you know it's. And then I, I you know, you get all the tracking things, and notice the "Strange Animal" across Canadian radio went from about 50 plays a month earlier to just under 500 plays, so over tenfold just a couple of weeks after that movie came out. So it connects with people is what I'm saying, you know, and and again, when I went and saw the movie, it's primarily a younger audience that that was at the, at the film. And yeah, I can tell they're, they, they hear it. It stays with them. Melodically, something's going on or, or lyrically, there's something they can relate to right away. And um, I think those are a couple of the great features of, of the, of the rock era after all, and Alan probably pointed this out in his article. I, I say this all the time. Rock music is the great musical statement of the last half of the twentieth century. It's indisputable. Yeah, the first half you could say was defined by jazz because it, it influenced all the music that came before it. You know, classical music was suddenly so influenced by Gershwin and all all great. You know, Louis Armstrong, great jazz art- artists influenced all of that. But the moment electricity gets introduced and rock music starts in the in the nineteen fifties right to the present day. That is the monolithic musical statement. And so it's as legitimate as any other musical era in history. So why wouldn't it? It's amazing that we're so surprised by this, that, that it has connected so well with people. There were probably people, I'm going to guess, in the mid-1800s, there were probably people going, you know, this new Tchaikovsky stuff, is it's really good, and I, I like it, but the Beethoven stuff... I not yeah. get enough of it. Meanwhile, Beethoven <laughs> died, like, 25 years prior to that. that. Yeah. Then probably probably by 1900, they were listening to, like, Stravinsky or something and then going, I like Stravinsky, but that Tchaikovsky stuff is <laughs> killer, right? Yeah. You go ahead, and it's probably like that in 50 year type chunks. Yeah. And sure enough, you get young bands that go, man, I love Royal Blood, which I do, by the way. Yeah. But Led Zeppelin, have you heard those guys? <laughs> you know, so uh, it's. I, I just think that I think it's a natural occurrence in music, quite quite frankly.
2: So here's a funny story. Here and non non related, but kind of. I'm in the car and Dire Maker comes on, and I'm like, oh, I gotta yeah. crank this up. And I, cr- I'm like, one of the best songs <laughs> of all time, right? probably, probably one of the best oh, drum beats ever oh, written lowly. in yeah. rock music. And I crank it up. And my wife's like, "Oh, I really like this." And then Robert Plant starts singing, and she's like, "This guy's a terrible singer. What band is this?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm like,
2: "I got to stop the car, and you got to get out."
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. we can't have this conversation. Some songs, you have to acquire the kind of you have to acquire a taste for how he sang those songs. Um, that's part of his charm, you know. Is, is that he, some of them are more throwaway, and then others are much more uh intimate you know um all of my love and all those types of songs um but yeah i i you know what i'd stay with her for a few more years and see if <laughs> things things might improve <laughs> i
1: wouldn't think it, i think it's interesting you mentioned money Yeah. oh yeah,
0: yeah. So, got good dates in some areas
1: I think, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that nope uh, sort of brought that song back to uh you know the forefront again the same thing happened with like stranger things right brought that whole metallica all of a sudden everybody's like hey you know who metallica is kate bush
0: yeah yeah kate bush as well right yeah. really well, weird very much so it, it it it's weird i think to us maybe not so much to chris but um it's weird to us and it shouldn't be that's the that's what i'm saying is it, right. it's it, it sounds unusual and yet it shouldn't be. The songs had a great uh, effect on our lives when we first heard them. And why wouldn't they be able to translate that to further down the road if the songs really had something really uh, of substance at their core? I think that's part of what people find frustrating about some. I'm going to really qualify and say some new music. And sometimes it's the stuff that gets the most attention briefly, Um, a lot of new music is very tied to, well, this gotta be careful here, but so much of it can be tied to the, the personality and the cult of the personality, I guess, of the, of the person who's singing it. And that begins to kind of mire in some ways, if, whether it's any good or not. Um, whereas, you had to really dig to find out who, and that's because we we advertise so effectively now with the internet, etc. it's so ubiquitous it's so you know, ever-present. Whereas you had to kind of dig and find artists and find, you couldn't, I would go to concerts of bands that I didn't even know what they looked like, you know, back when they first came out. I didn't even know, I didn't know what Led Zeppelin looked like. You tell me after the fourth album, I still haven't seen a picture of these guys. <laughs> I, and everybody's going to the show, you know? So that tells you that the music had something extremely powerful that was that was motivating people. And I think um there's still music around that does that. There absolutely is. Because I, I'm oh, doing yeah. so many new acts right now. But too often they kind of have to live in the shadows for a little while before they people with a band like
2: Styx <laughs> and <laughs> Led Zeppelin and all these bands do you think it, a part of why people kind of gra, are gravitating more towards that now even the younger generation is that the recordings were actually recordings of bands and they're not and not um so over produced
0: yes i do um that's that's a that's a really thick subject but we noticed that part of the the phenomenon of, of the digital you know revolution in, in music and in in our lives is has brought so much great stuff with it but like every great invention in throughout history it does something great and it does something terrible <laughs> yeah. they all do they all do you know the automobile what a fantastic thing it is and it's poisoning the planet so anyway yeah. <laughs> still got them so yeah um with I'm going to bring up the the uh, the fact that the last two sticks records we made, which were really successful. I mean, Crash of the Crown went to number one on Billboard's rock album chart. They have a separate chart for that now. But with the Mission and Crash of the Crown, we decided we realized the whole digital world doesn't really jive well with the with the sound of classic rock. Therefore, we have to <laughs> we have to find a studios or studios that have the analog gear that we can record as if it's 1978, 79, again, put down our phones, you know, not, not, you know, be, not have our day uh, distracted by all the digital wonders that, um, that make, may, can fill out your entire day n- now. And instead lock eyeballs and fingers and all the ideas with just each other in this room and record it to tape and, <clears throat> There's even a, you know, nuance to to even smelling tape on it. Oh yeah, I know it's weird to say. No tape has a smell. It definitely does. A whole tactile thing that kicks in, and it's your sensory experience. We wound up making a couple, two of those two albums, "The Mission" and "Crash the Ground," where they sound and they feel like classic rock records that were concurrent with the um, with the classic records of Sticks. Uh, and that's how we felt. And that's how the majority of uh, the responses that we've had uh, from them have been, you know,
2: it's one of the uh, first things I noticed when I was listening to that single yeah. crown, it was, I was just like, Oh my God, this sounds it analog. Is,
0: you know, now that doesn't yeah, mean yeah. that we don't use some digital technology for things like editing for things like, you know, putting things together in pro tools and then it's all those types of things. It's just that we didn't start from that, from that, um, that wasn't the starting point. The starting point was to make it feel like we're recording it in that era.
1: And I and think in the end, it
0: makes it more, more organic, right? It, well, 100%. Everything about it has, there there are little, you know, like what you're saying about Dire make. there are little things in there that are actually mistakes, you know, um, or were, were unintentional that you could fix in a digital world, but you can't quite fix perfectly in an analog world. And that's part of the charm of what comes through on a record. And then you begin to kind of arbitrarily choose, you know, what may be not technically perfect and yet has the right vibe that gets in the door. And then you choose between that and something that may be technically right on the mark, but doesn't have the same mojo, so to speak. And that, that, that that equation goes through thousands of times in, in every single song. And eventually you, you end up with something that sounds the way that those records sound like how hard
2: was it finding a studio to record on tape
0: i well i have a great studio with a partner in toronto and i bought an old uh two inch machine a studer machine years
2: ago. oh really yeah What's studer
0: a studer a- a800 a- yeah. a-
2: a8 oh my god
0: and then a- have, 880 and then i have the 800 that we mixed to or there's the other one, one of them a- yeah, yeah yeah so we mixed to that and um and then, of course, in Nashville, there's great studios that have all that gear. We recorded all of the mission at Blackbird, which is a studio. Yeah. All that's beautiful. All the engineers that still know how to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the tough part is when it busts, you know, who who here knows how to put this back, right. back together? And finding the parts yeah. is probably No, I, I worked too. on
2: tape as an engineer.
0: Next to impossible. <laughs>
2: yeah i i worked as an engineer on tape from like 98 to 2002 somewhere in that vicinity and uh man there's so much that goes in to making sure that the tape is even just right ready to go you know you don't just throw it on the machine and hit record
0: you notice i mentioned about editing we go to yeah digital that's because you know the the amount of blood that is spilled with the razor blades that have to keep cutting tape it's just it's not right. Yeah.
2: You know, there there's this meme that goes around and it's this old man and yeah. he's like like this. And it, it says, Back in my day, and I made one that says,
0: Back in my
2: day, razor blades and alcohol meant we were recording
0: to tape. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Alcohol to clean the heads. Yeah. And yeah. then of course to drink. And the razor blades <laughs> yeah. were to clean tape.
1: Hey, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we're down to three minutes in this Zoom. We got the timer on this thing.
2: What? What? Yeah. Oh, man. I so appreciate you taking the time. Thank you.
1: We're locked up. Thanks
2: so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on and as a canadian i'm a lifelong fan and i'll never forget to my mom that's good um, it's obvious awesome you want, and i really appreciate Play that one for us. your
0: wife and hopefully she's uh thanks i'm well, hopefully she, hopefully, she'll think i'm as bad as robert plant so i i wound up going to a doctor here that gave me a couple of uh in harvard he's back he's back he gave me some exercises that were really good for uh for anything to do with it you know, tendonitis or nerves or all these things in your hand. One is that try not to to keep your elbows bent too long in the day because that can begin to kind of tighten everything up and I can go into med- medically why. Try not to use armrests too much because, again, they, they can begin to kind of squish things. The other thing is just generally trying to do stretching type exercises, things that, that kind of bring them out and then don't play any longer than, say, 25 minutes to half an hour without taking some kind of a break to let your hands, you know, um, basically re- recalibrate is basically right. how, how, what it comes down to. I have to also say, though, there's, there's luck involved, though, too, Chris. I mean, you know, yeah. genetically, if you're lucky enough not to have that as a predisposition, you're, you're very, but knowing the fact that it happens and you need to do something about it, it's probably, I would say that's the first step in, in figuring out the various. sorry, I can't turn these notifications off.
2: That's okay. No, I was just watching your piano solo live and I was just like, okay, how does someone that can play like that and you've been playing at that high level probably since you were 12, you know, how do you keep yourself from without injury and, and it's interesting. It
0: is, um, you know, sports can can do all kinds of damage. You know, so I don't play hockey to the same you know anymore. Right. I ride a bike now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even when I'm riding the bike, try not to grip too hard. Like try to keep my fingers open. Yeah. It's, it's on your mind. I have to say that it, it is on your mind of like, how could this have a negative impact on what I'm, what I need to do with with my hands. When I'm playing that piece, you're talking about key dive. um, Even during that piece, you'll see I I take quick little breaks where I just go like that. Like just, just so there there are little, little things that can kind of help along the way. I'm sure people will find this fascinating. Lawrence, I thank you so much. Thank you so
2: much, Lawrence. It's always a pleasure to talk to one of my Canadian heroes. My pleasure,
0: guys. Great, great chatting with you. I appreciate you always coming on. All the best, and we'll see you up the road soon. You got it, man. Be well, my friend. Thank you, Bruce. Good to see you. Cheers. Have a
2: good
1: tour. You
2: to. Bye. See ya. Bye. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time. A secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen and wherever you get your podcasts.